The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to Radio Tony. I'm your host, Tony Lontis. Don't forget to jump onto Facebook and like Radio Tony and follow me on all my social media, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'm going to pop those links up in the chat box uh, during the show. I hope you've all had a really good week and life has been good. So as you know, Radio Tony is a platform for the unheard. I'm not afraid of talking about difficult subjects and trauma, which leads us into today's show where we'll be talking about 9-11. So for those that have triggering in, uh, memories of this, please make sure that you seek help if you need it. I'm not sure there's many people in the world who weren't glued to their TV screens that day as people watched the horror and with dismay at what transpired. The September 11 attacks were a series of four coordinated terrorist attacks by Islamic terrorist group Al-Qaeda against the United States on the morning of Tuesday, September the 11th, 2001. The attacks killed 2,977 people. That's not counting the 19 hijackers that also died. Over 6,000 others were injured and the attack caused at least $10 billion damage in infrastructure and property. Additionally, people have died of 9-11 related cancer and respiratory diseases in the months and years that followed. Four passenger airlines operated by two major US passenger air carriers, United Airlines and American Airlines, all of which departed from airports in northeastern United States bound for South Fran- San Francisco, and Los Angeles. They were hijacked by 19 Al-Qaeda terrorists. Two of the planes, American Airlines Flight 11 and United Airlines Flight 175, were crashed into the North and South Towers, respectively, of the World Trade Center complex in Lower Manhattan, 
Within an hour and 42 minutes, both 110-storey towers collapsed. Debris and resulting fires caused a partial or complete collapse of all the other buildings in the World Trade Centre complex, including the 47-storey 7 World Trade Central Tower, as well as significant damage to 10 other large surrounding structures. A third plane, American Airlines Flight 77, was crashed into the Pentagon in Arlington County, Virginia, which led to a partial collapse of the building's west side. The fourth plane, United Airlines Flight 93, was initially flown towards Washington, D.C., but crashed into a field in Stony Creek Township near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, after its passengers thought the hijackers. What brave people they must have been. 9-11 is the single deadliest terror attack in human history and the single deadliest incident for firefighters and law enforcement officers in the history of the United States, with 443 and 72 officers killed respectively. Suspicion quickly fell to Al-Qaeda. The United States responded by launching the War on Terror and invading Afghanistan to dispose of the Taliban, which had failed to comply with US demands to extradite Osama bin Laden and expel Al-Qaeda from Afghanistan. Many countries strengthened their anti-terrorism legislation and expanded the powers of law enforcement and intelligence agencies to prevent terrorist attacks. Although Osama bin Laden, al-Qaeda's leader, initially denied any involvement in 2004, he claimed responsibility for the attacks. Al-Qaeda and bin Laden cited US support of Israel, the presence of US troops in Saudi Arabia, and sanctions against Iraq as motives. After invading capture for almost a decade, bin Laden was located in Pakistan and killed by a SEAL team of six of the US Navy in May 2011. The destruction of the World Trade Center and the nearby infrastructure seriously harmed the economy of the Lower Manhattan area and had a significant impact on global markets, which resulted in the closing of Wall Street until September 17. And the civilian airspace in the US and Canada until September 13. Many closings, evacuations and cancellations followed out of respect or fear of further attacks. The cleanup of the World Trade Center site was completed in May 2002 and the Pentagon was repaired within a year. On November the 18th, 2006, construction of One World Trade Center began at the World Trade Center site. The building opened on November the 3rd, 2014. Numerous memorials have been constructed, including the National September the 11th Memorial and Museum in New York City the Pentagon Memorial in Arlington County, Virginia, and the Flight 93 National Memorial in the field in Stony Creek Township near Shanksville, uh, Pennsylvania. So before we 
get on to the first break, after which I will introduce our amazing guests for today, uh, Mr. Richard Gage from the American Institute of Architects. Just a little bit about Mr. Gage. He's a San Francisco Bay Area architect of 30 years, a member of the American Institute of Architects and the founder and president of the Architects and Engineers for 911 Truth, which represents more than 3,000 architects and engineers who have signed the organization's petition demanding a new investigation of the destruction of all three World Trade Center skyscrapers on 9-11. Since founding Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, he has delivered his live multimedia presentation, the 911 Blueprint for Truth, more than 550 times in dozens of foreign countries and 110 American cities to audiences ranging from 100 to 4,000. He has appeared on more than 600 radio and television spots. The mission of AE91 Truth is at the heart of their work. They have a deeply held conviction that establishing the truth is essential to achieving justice for the murder of nearly 3,000 people on that day. Furthermore, they believe that an honest public accounting of 9-11 is the only way to bring about genuine and lasting change to the system that enabled this atrocity to take place and for sweeping policies to be enacted in the aftermath. So I'm actually really uh, pleased that we're able to talk to Richard today and on behalf of his group, architects of architects and engineers for 9-11 truth he comes with a wealth of experience architecturally and engineering and i'm sure that you the guests will enjoy a wonderful conversation with him today so don't forget to chat in your questions and uh, let us know uh, what you're thinking about our discussion today. Uh, it's incredibly important that we hear what you have to say. And I look forward to all your valuable questions and comments today on this, the uh, eve of the 9-11 uh, attacks in New York City in America. So after the break... I'll be formally introducing you to Richard and we will be starting the conversation talking about the buildings and what happened on that day and from an architectural and engineering perspective, we'll be hearing his thoughts on what actually happened. So over to you, Rebel, for the first break and we'll join you back with Richard. Radio Tony. Bringing social consciousness, this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. 
read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. And welcome back to Radio yeah. Tony. We I'm have an amazing guest with us earlier. today. Oh, and before it'd have to be eight o'clock. Introduce him. I'll just let you know um, that I'm willing to do Richard that. Gage is a member of the American Institute of Architects and founder of the Architects and Engineers for 9/11 Truth. Mr. Gage became interested in researching the destruction of the World Trade Tower high-rises after hearing the startling conclusions of a reluctant 9/11 researcher. David Ray Griffin on the radio in 2006, which launched his own unyielding quest for the truth about 9-11. As an architect, he's worked on most types of building construction, including numerous fireproof steel-framed buildings. Most recently, he's worked on construction documents for a $400 million mixed urban project with 1.2 million square feet of retail parking structure and mid-rise office space, together with about 1,200 tonnes of steel framing. Please welcome Mr. Richard Gage, AIA. Well, hello, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on. Great to be here with you. Oh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you uh, today, Richard, and I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to um talk and listen uh, and to give our listeners an update on all that you've been doing and all that you've discovered around un, uh, the truth about 9-11. So before we get into the interview, uh, just for those listeners, can you tell us what architects do? Huh. Um, architects design the buildings that we inhabit and occupy and visit. Um, We hire structural engineers to uh, design the bones of those buildings, the structure, all the way down to the foundation. And then we make sure that the contractor builds these buildings uh, properly with the right materials and the best skill. And they're built as you, the experts, have designed them. Isn't that correct? Yes. So you're... All of your life has been in architecture and engineering, hasn't it, Richard? Um, my, I've, I've spent 30 years doing this yeah. anyway for the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved in the 9-11 issue? I was, uh, on, on the morning of 9-11, just... Uh, yes in shock and awe as I saw these buildings coming down on TV. Uh, But I pretty much swallowed the official story, you know, for five years until I heard on the radio, David Ray Griffin, uh, an author now of 10 books on this subject. Uh, He was being interviewed uh, in the San Francisco Bay area on the radio. And I was in my car uh, driving back from a construction observation meeting. And I was just shocked. Uh, to hear that there was some alternative theory as to how these buildings came down and that there seemed to be 
lots of uh, evidence supporting that theory, uh, such as uh, hundreds of firefighters and first responders uh, with uh, hearing sounds of explosions and seeing flashes of light before the collapse of these buildings. And wow. uh, we didn't even know that until August of 2005. He was talking about the ends of these beams uh, trailing thick white smoke clouds as they were ejected from the Twin Towers at 80 miles an hour laterally in all directions, uh, landing 600 feet uh, all around the building. Uh, this is not the, uh, the, the, the way, this is not indicative of a gravitational collapse, which yes. we're told in the case of the Twin Towers, the upper portion of the tower above the point of jet plane impacts drove the rest of the building down to the ground and then destroyed itself. But that's not what we see in any of the videos. It's destroying itself in, in the first four seconds, uh, just like a, a Volkswagen running into a Mack truck would destroy itself. Uh, yeah. And that's the physics of it. Uh, you can't have the lighter part of a structure dr dr driving down the heavier, cold, hit, hard, intact steel all the way down uh, to the ground. It just makes no sense in terms of physics. And that's what the videos show. It's destroyed itself. And after that, uh, we have these incredibly um, powerful, isolated, explosive ejections, even 20, 40, and 60 stories down below this so-called zone of destruction uh, or gravitational collapse. Uh, these are not, this is not air being pushed out of the building. These are pulverized building materials. So I'm under. So what I'm understanding is that what the people describe is horizontal ejection of building parts, where you would expect vertical collapse. Is that my correct understanding, Richard? Yeah, we'd expect. Uh, for instance, there's 110 floors in each of these towers. Yes. In a gravitational collapse, we'd expect. Uh, 110 of these floors stacked up and certainly mangled, but guess On what? On top of each other, though. Yeah, like pancakes. Yes. But we yes. don't see 50, we don't see 10, we don't even see one of these acre-sized floors uh, uh, stacked up anywhere. There's just a two-story pile of core columns and miscellaneous metal. Where are all the, where's all the concrete? Uh -huh. Well, you look at the videos and you can see that it's being pulverized in midair. And this is to a fine powder, uh, which yes. is spread across lower Manhattan in a three square mile area, uh, three inches thick. The, yes. the, the dust is composed of 30 percent uh, concrete. And, and so this is like a, a, almost an ash. These particles are 900 yes. micron particles. Uh, so how did they get so pulverized? And by the way, if the concrete is spread out over uh, three square miles, well beyond, obviously, the, the perimeter of the structure, what's crushing the structure? Well, it's yes. not the concrete. It's not the steel. Uh, yes. The steel has been sent out in a 1,400-foot diameter around each of these towers. And so... The steel and the concrete are two-thirds the weight of these buildings. So yes. what's left to crush the building? I mean, this, this is an amazing thing to think about. Uh, it's, well, it's, it, it, all, there, all there is, it's not people either, by the way. The people were um, uh, pulverized uh, along with everything else inside the building. There's no yes. file cabinets uh, out of maybe 10,000. 
They're, they're not found. There's just one piece of a small file cabinet that's ever been found. And the yeah. people are, uh, there's only not 300 good. whole bodies found. 6,000 uh, pieces of bodies are small enough to fit into a test tube and still more yes. than 1,147 or exactly 1,147 people remain completely yeah. unaccounted for. Yes. Vaporized. Yes. So I want to, b before we get into the, the detail of the individual buildings, Richard, I've got a comment from from Oliver here who said there's a lot of conspiracy theories on this uh, topic. And I actually just want to start from the get-go to say I don't actually consider this a conspiracy theory because there is science behind your drive for the truth, isn't there, Richard? Oh, there is, and we've outlined it in our landmark DVD, 9-11, Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out. It's yes. free on YouTube. Yes. And everybody can watch it there. Yeah. So let's get into the individual buildings. So Building 7, now let me get this correct. Uh, it, it was at the, the, it was one of the smaller buildings kind of at the centre of the World Trade Centre. Oh, yeah. Not, not the centre, actually. It's on the edge, but it is part of the World Trade Centre. And why was building so important in 9-11? Well, Building 7, uh, many 9-11 re researchers consider the smoking gun because it's so obviously a controlled demolition. I mean, listen, yes. here's a 47-story skyscraper uh, uh, that in the afternoon of 9-11, after witnesses hear explosions which we've included in our DVD on, online yes. at YouTube, um, the building drops suddenly, smoothly, uh -huh. symmetrically, straight down into its own footprint in yes. under seven seconds. And this is at free fall acceleration, as fast as a bowling ball yes. falling out of the sky. So how does that happen? Yes, uh, how does that happen? It looks exactly like the controlled demolitions like the old hotels in Las Vegas we're used mm -hmm. to looking for in the States. How does it happen? Well, you have to remove uh, the columns in the building virtually simultaneously because the NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, claimed yes. that uh, fires, normal office fires, brought this building down. And if you look at the fires, in these buildings, uh, in yes. this building, they were few, small, and scattered. And, uh -huh. and fires have never brought down much hotter, larger, and longer-lasting fires uh, than this, have never brought down a skyscraper before 9-11. And remember, this building was not hit by an airplane. So no, this it was is a completely not. Case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a classic so, case of controlled demolition. So uh, all... all Anybody who looks at this building knows it's a controlled demolition, and yet we're being we're being uh, lied to by uh, our government about this, and by the media, by the way, ninety yes. percent of which is owned by just four corp six corporations, actually five now. They've yes. consolidated. Uh, Disney bought Fox, and and now who owns who owns and directs those those media uh, conglomerates? Well, they're directed by uh, people who direct corporations in the arms industry, the oil industry, the banking industry, the insurance industry, all of whom work uh, very well uh, together, apparently, to deceive the American public. 
That's actually quite fascinating to bring that into the discussion that we, the world, are being duped by what we are hearing. And uh, that's why it's so important to have people like you on my program, Richard. Um, so I know from looking at the collapse of Building 7, it it, it, it is so seamless and uh and in fact does look exactly like a controlled demolition. So I'm wondering if you've thought further around why they did that, because there were actually people in that building on that morning. Well, um, uh, are you referring to Building 7? To Building 7, still on Building 7, yes. Uh, the building because was evacuated. It was separate from, because it's separate from the world, trade centres that were hit by the planes. What would be the purpose of destroying another building in the vicinity? Uh, that's what I'm trying to understand. I won't speculate on why they took out Building 7, but yeah. we know that they did. In terms of it being occupied, there were um, it was evacuated after the towers were hit by the planes, okay. but before the planes came down. And we have... Uh, Barry Jennings, uh, who worked in the housing department, and Mayor Giuliani's attorney, Michael Hess, uh, having gone up into the building, uh, but the, the, this, the elevators didn't work, and, and they were just really curious, what the hell went on here? And they, uh, they got blown around in the building by explosions, and they had to be rescued by the firefighters. Wow. So this is, um, and the, so the, the explosions in Building 7 before the towers came down. Uh, that's uh, wow. uh, quite a story. And in the case of Barry Jennings, he says he saw dead bodies in the lobby. Oh, so no. that's a very fascinating uh, testimony because the official story says nobody died in, in, in Building 7. Wow. So I also heard that there were squibs. S-Q-U-I-B-S on Building 7. What are those? Um, in the controlled demolition industry, these are simply the effects of explosions, uh, bursts, isolated uh, ejections of explosive, by explosives of pulverized building parts. Uh, wow. These do occur in Building 7. They're more pronounced in the Twin Towers. As, as I mentioned, uh, up to 60 yeah. stories down below what we're told is a, a collapse. Um, but... These 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 are um, clearly evidence of, of explosions in the building. Yeah, okay. So, Ivy, one of our listeners, wants to know, are you saying it was done on purpose? Well, um, you, you, you don't have hundreds of explosions traveling symmetrically down the all four faces of each of the twin towers, shattering the structure from top to bottom, uh, into its original 37 and a half foot lengths for the columns, that doesn't happen by accident. So no. obviously it was done on purpose. So yes, we're talking about a pre-planned event, and the forensic science shows exactly that. We're referring to the U.S. Geological Survey, for instance, in their toxicological studies, finding up to 10 tons of previously molten iron microspheres in all the World Trade Center dust. 6% of many of these samples are, are molten iron spheres about the diameter of a human hair. 
They don't know where they came from. The EPA calls them a signature component of the World Trade Center dust. So this is direct evidence of what? Molten iron. Molten iron doesn't even melt until 2,800 degrees. Exactly. And there's pools of molten iron. Yeah, there's pools of molten iron underneath both towers and Building 7. There's molten iron pouring out of the South Tower minutes prior to its collapse. So all of this evidence uh, that we see, including the crab claw excavators uh, lifting up this debris with molten material pouring out of it. It's yellow, yes. bright yellow, so we know it's molten iron or steel. It's not yes. lead or aluminum, which doesn't glow bright yellow in molten conditions in daylight. So we, we know that we have these temperatures. In fact, they're well documented uh, by Bechtel, uh, by uh, the overflights of um, uh, infrared thermal imaging from NASA, uh, this the, 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 the structural engineer of the World Trade Center himself, Leslie Robertson, sees a, a river of steel flowing when he went down in the, in the basements to try to observe what was going on. The first responders say it's flowing down the channel rails like lava from a volcano. Well, yeah. this exceeds 2,800 degrees. What yes. can explain? Well, the molten iron is the byproduct of thermite. Thermite is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. So yes. we have the evidence of thermite, not only in all this example of molten iron, molten iron microspheres, but documented also by FEMA. FEMA, uh, in their Appendix C of their Building Performance Assessment Report that came out in 2002, has a, limit, a metallurgical examination, and in it they describe uh, the hot sulfur corrosion attack on the steel with silver dollar-sized holes in the steel. Its author, Jonathan Barnett, says the ends of the beams are partly evaporated in extraordinarily wow. high temperatures. You know, what can cause that? It's yes. not fire, and by the way, jet fuel that, doesn't cause it either. That was I mean, my next question. Yeah, jet fuel doesn't even burn 600 degrees, according to its manufacturer, in open air. It's yes. basically kerosene. You know, it doesn't burn any hotter than desks and chairs. And so, so to melt the metal, you need that uh, really, really high temperature. And the only way you get that high temperature is not from fire. Is that what you're saying, Richard? Yeah, fires, the hottest office fires can get to maybe 1,500 degrees. We're talking twice that amount of heat to create yeah. pools of molten molten steel and molten iron. Well, we wonder, well, what, what can create all this, which is evidence of thermite incendiaries? Is, it, is there evidence of unignited ships, uh, I mean, uh, thermite? Well, a small team of scientists led by Niels Herrett in Copenhagen Yes. actually analyzes these uh, these samples also because they there's these red gray chips that come up to a magnet and they yes. get real curious because uh, uh, paint doesn't do this uh, they zoom in and do x-ray energy dispersive spectroscopy and finds that these chips have iron oxide and aluminum powder in them huh well that's curious because that's the ingredients of thermite in these chips that are about a sixteenth of an inch long on average that amount to about 10 tons, once again, of this material by extrapolation throughout the World Trade Center dust. 
oh my gosh, they get real curious, zoom in 40,000 times with an electron microscope and find that these materials, these particles, iron oxide, iron oxide rhomboidal shaped crystals and aluminum platelets are in, in there. And these are the ingredients of thermite, but they're a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. Uh, that, that, how did they get that small? Yes. They're set in an organic bed of oxygen, silica, carbon. This is material, organic material, which provides the expansion in TNT. So here we yes. have an incendiary that apparently has been engineered to become more explosive with a small size, indicating incredibly exponentially large uh, surface volume for faster uh, chemical reactions, more explosive. Yes. But Sorry, here's the thing, Tony. Wait, listen yeah. to this. You're not going to believe this. What <laughs> happens when they put these chips in yes. a heater, a, a differential scanning calorimeter? They ignite and they produce an incredible amount of energy. And what? Molten iron microspheres with the oh, same chemical signature that the molten iron microspheres found by the U.S. Geological Survey and R.J. Lee, another independent uh, consulting firm, uh, that found. So we know where the, all those 10, 10 tons of molten iron microspheres came from. They came from these uh, red-gray chips. It's just extremely clear. So it's a set of inconsistent, internally consistent, self-corroborating, repeatably, experimentally, uh, data that could be used to bring these perpetrators, whoever they are, uh, away for a long time. So. Um, I've got a couple of questions from our listeners, Richard. So Leo is wondering, is this fact or more fiction that we're talking about? Well, I would suggest that scientifically, uh, the evidence is is quite clear, isn't it, Richard? That it's well, that it's it's fact. It's it, we're not talking fiction. These are the facts of what the building, uh, the collapsed building, is showing us. So. In the collapse building, we found this, 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 and this, and this can only come about in this situation. We so, would like to believe that this is fiction because I would like to go back to practicing architecture myself. But yes. I've been doing this full time now for a number of years uh, yes. because I'm compelled. We've been lied to at an incredibly... Uh, uh, an, an incredibly huge lie in the crime of the century. And the, this set of researchers who documented these uh, red-grade ships, for instance, they put it in a peer-reviewed paper in, yes. in the Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal. Uh, this is um, 25 pages uh, that is uh, scientifically verified and provable, and it has not been contested. Uh, in the in the peer-reviewed uh, sense, that's how you can test somebody's theory scientifically. You don't just say, "Hey, say, those are paint." Well, paint doesn't have these exotic properties. Yeah, yeah. So for our listeners, anything that is uh, published in a respected scientific journal that is read and in investigated by the top people in in that area. Uh, and reviewed, if it stands up in that arena, then it's generally given that it's fact and not fiction. So we're talking about facts here, listeners. 
Um, and Richard James wants to know, so was this built into the construction or was it planted? A really good question, James. Over to you, Richard. Well, the construction of the towers w was was completed in about 1973, so yes. uh, explosives and incendiaries don't last that long. Yes. Uh, so, no, it wouldn't have been that. Uh, in addition, we have, interestingly enough, in the nine months prior to 9-11, yes. we have the largest elevator modernization going on in history in the trade center, in trade center towers. This is documented in U.S. in uh, elevator world of March of 2001, um, Ace Elevator had this contract. They came out of nowhere, by yes. the way, to get this contract because yes. Otis Elevator had uh, put in these elevators and it had been maintaining them up till this time. And yes. Ace Elevator all of a sudden uh, absconded, I guess, with this contract. It was a controversy. Uh, but they had 85 employees in the building at the time that the towers were hit by the planes and they fled. They didn't stick around and help the firefighters. This is what they do uh, uh -huh. normally. Okay. So it's quite a scandal. I mean, it needs so to be So has anyone talked to those employees? Um, there are researchers who have contacted uh, yes. the, uh, the let's, let's put it this way. Um, yes. Uh, the owners of the, these buildings, they went bankrupt right after 9-11. I'm sure they the did. But they reorganized, and uh, there are some shady characters involved in, in these companies. And yes. the researcher didn't want to go public with his name and in wow. terms of what he found. Wow. Uh, but he's releasing that to the group of attorneys who have submitted to the U.S. attorney a petition for a special grand jury to investigate uh, all of these matters that we've been discussing today. And the U.S. Attorney of Manhattan has uh, written back and said, we will comply with the law requiring us to demand a new investigation, excuse me, to impanel a special grand jury. So that's very exciting. So we expect it to be that called is. as expert witnesses uh, to these grand jurors. The more that I read and understand about the whole 9-11 attacks, the more uh, dismayed I feel about what happened on that day. And I'm sure that you have been quite impacted by what you've discovered, Richard, um, and the duplicity and secrecy surrounding all that happened on that day. Is that fair yes. to say? Yes. So... Let me just clarify, there hasn't been an official investigation into the collapse of Building 7, is that correct? Well, there has. Um, the official investigation uh, uh, tasked NIST, the National ah. Institute of Standards and Technology, to explain to the American people the collapse of all three of these buildings. So it, and was, they first it, it was grouped with the other buildings and not just by itself? No, they were separated and, okay. and uh, created separate reports. They started with the Twin Towers, which was 20,000, excuse me, $20 million they got to study these and created 10,000 pages of obfuscation, uh, which includes none of the evidence, including the uh, evidence of 156 first responders seeing explosions, hearing how explosions being blown around. Exactly. How, how, how is does that, that possible? happen? Well, you put yeah. somebody in charge of the whole thing like Sham Sunder 
structural engineer, and you give him an unlimited budget, basically, and tell him that you want him to find that fire brought these buildings down, and uh, that's exactly uh, what he does and, and did. And he used a computer model, in the case of Building 7, uh, to, quote, prove uh, the initiation of collapse theory they had, where on the 13th floor they claimed these hot fires, which weren't even uh, there for an hour and a half before uh, the building collapsed. The photos show these fires were had moved on. And uh, yet they claim that they were hanging around this area for an hour and a half, heating up these beams, which push, expanded and pushed this girder off of its seat on this column 79. Floor 13 then falls on 12 and so on for nine floors. And then this column 79 buckles and the instability travels upward and then across the building laterally until the whole building is basically empty. And then we see the overall collapse as your listeners can uh, see uh, when they go to yes. YouTube and just uh, search uh, Building 7 Collapse. Yes. So th that whole thing is based on about 17 assumptions, uh, most of which have been proven wrong uh, in a major university study that just came out last week from the oh, University wow. of Alaska. Professor yes. Leroy Halsey, in fact, he uh, and his team of PhD researchers uh, yeah. found that the only way this building could have come down, and this is a four-year, $300,000 study, right? Yeah. It just came out. The only way this building could have come down like it did is, is not by fire. Fire couldn't have done it. Uh, but yeah. by the simultaneously simultaneous removal of all columns within the bu building. And the only way you can do that is with TNT. Or thermite in this case, because yes, the yes. evidence shows thermite, yes. Yes. In shaped cutter Richard, charges. I'm going to um, give us a quick break because I want to get into the World Trade Center uh, buildings themselves when we come back. So I'm going to give you a short break. Listeners, we'll be back after the break and we'll talk to Richard extensively more about the Twin Towers. Over to you, Rebel. Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues. This is Radio Tony on W4WN. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Keep the conversation going. Direct assistance. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561-623-9421 on W4WN Radio Guest Skype.
Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. And welcome back to Radio Tony. You're listening to your host, Tony Lontis, today. And we're talking to the amazing Richard Gage about all things 9-11. And before the break, we had a wonderful question from Neville who said, so how do you think this actually, uh, so how do you think, who do you think actually did this? Now, I don't want you to speculate, Richard, because I, I know that you probably don't have the answer to this, but do you have some sort of thoughts on who did this and why? Um, I have all kinds of thoughts. Yes. I have a desire to get to the truth uh, about not only what happened, but who did it, so that uh, we can put those away who are responsible for mass murder and treason. Yes. Now, this is obviously some sort of an inside group, None of yes. us are naive about the capabilities needed uh, for access to three of the most highly secure buildings outside the Pentagon. Correct. So we're talking about uh, those who controlled the security. Yes. Um, we certainly need an investigation into the security company, which had a security contract, curiously enough, up until the day after 9-11. Uh, maybe that's a coincidence, but uh, we also yeah. want an investigation of the owner of the World Trade Center, which was taken from the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, a public entity. And yes. six weeks prior to 9-11, uh, Larry Silverstein uh, acquired the, the, uh, the, the property in a deal in which he only had to put up $15 million of his own money. Leveraging, oh, that to leveraging that to 125 million, and then leveraging that to 3.2 billion <gasps> somehow, to where he walked away after placing all kinds of uh, incredible uh, insurance uh, for terrorism and, and so forth. He walked away with 5.68 billion dollars. That's fascinating, and that yeah. happened six weeks before. The incident. Yeah, yeah. That and the is elevator fascinating in itself. It, it is, yeah. And the elevator modernization was going on the nine months prior to 9-11, which could have given access to an undercover a group, um, uh, black operations, yes. uh, to uh, which would give them access from the elevator shafts to all the core columns and beams in this building, both buildings. Okay. All right. So I want to get into this uh, the, in our next segment to talk about the actual World Trade Centers. And I believe that, uh, again, the buildings did not behave in the way you as an architect and an engineer would think that they should behave having hit, been hit by planes. Is that correct? Yeah, the buildings um, come down, straight down, uh, virtually, uh, all three of them, uh, in, in, at virtually free-fall acceleration, yes. um, meaning no resistance from any of the columns, and there were hundreds and hundreds of these columns uh, supporting the building, and they're three yes. times stronger than they need to be. So yes. we would have expected no collapse. Uh, in fact, that's why the firefighters go in uh, to skyscrapers routinely, 
without yes. thought of the building collapsing. And because yet, you they're engineered so that those columns remain upright and the building maintains its integrity. Is that correct? Yes, and they do that by adding fireproofing to the steel columns to keep yes. them from ever getting to the 1,200-degree Fahrenheit temperature, which at which they can lose half their strength and begin to sag. But they don't melt. No, no steel does not ever melt in a fire. Uh, yes. it, it takes an incredible blast furnace technology to begin to melt steel. Uh, so, but again, um, thermite is, is what we're talking about here. That's what the yes. evidence reveals. Yes. And we're, we're going on evidence. This is not some far-flung, silly conspiracy. This is evidence observed by educated men and women who have scientifically proven that this whole uh, attack was not as it seems, based on evidence. And, and, and for my listeners, that's the difference. You, we're talking to science and evidence-based people today and their findings. This is not, uh, again, I, I want to highlight that it's not a baseless conspiracy theory because there's so many very intelligent human beings who've said, this is not right. And that's correct, isn't it, Richard? Uh, yes. And, and there's 3,000 architects and engineers that I represent who are demanding a new investigation. By the way, Tony, if 3,000 architects and engineers signed a statement that said to you that your house was in danger of collapse, would you listen to them? Absolutely, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, this, this is a lot more important than your house. This Definitely. is our country we're talking yes. about. The, uh, and, and, and it's really a worldwide phenomenon. I'm sure Australians suffered a similar set of of infringements upon their personal liberties after 9-11 oh, in the name of protecting our it. freedoms. Absolutely. Yeah. We, and, that, and, and without all of the things that have been found to happen in, in the Twin Towers, it's the ramifications to the world of travel um, and our freedom. That's what essentially underpins what happened on that day. And, and we were all impacted by those things without knowing all of what we're talking about today. So, Richard, about the Twin Towers, can you talk us through the structure of the tin, Twin Towers and then we want to go on, then I want to go and go back into that jet fuel melting steel scenario that doesn't fit with what happened. Um. Yes, well, the, the towers themselves, we're, we're talking about 47 massive core columns that are almost solid steel at the bottom in, in the 52 inches by 22 inches and uh, uh, getting smaller and smaller as they go to the top is virtual yes. pyramid, right? The yes. lightest, uh, smallest I-beams, uh, wide flange columns are at the top, uh, only three-eighths inch thick. And yes. in terms of the exterior structure, you have 14-inch square steel tube columns that maintain their exterior dimensions uh, 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 marching all the way around the outside of the building every three feet four inches, and uh, they get thinner and thinner until they're a quarter inch thick uh, at the most at the very top. Again, a virtual pyramid and almost solid steel. 
uh, down at the bottom, four-inch thick uh, slabs of steel to support all this weight. These, uh, between the core columns and the exterior columns are these uh, uh, lightweight steel trusses which span 35 feet on one side and 60 feet on the other. Mm -hmm. And these are the vulnerable area of the structure that uh, NIST uh, focuses its initiation of collapse theory on because they, mm -hmm. they say that the fires uh, by, started by the jet fuel, again, most of the jet fuel burned up outside the building, according to NIST, 90% of it outside, and only 10% of it was left burning inside, but it was gone in 10 minutes. So after that, we basically have normal office fires. But they claim that the impact of the airplanes uh, caused the fireproofing to come off of the lightweight steel trusses. So they were right. more vulnerable to sagging uh, under the influence of the heat of the fires in the building. And that when they sagged, they pulled in the perimeter columns and that these, uh, this uniformly, by the way, all around the building, uh, so they all fail at once, which is extremely unlikely. Uh, well, yes. This uniformity and symmetricality. It's a, in a very chaotic um, uh, uh, fire, organic fire scenario. It just, it just can't happen. I mean, unplanned events. Uh, unpl let's see. Bil buildings don't. What's the word? Uh, one of our structural, one of our fire protection engineers says. Uh, unplanned events do not create uniform collapses. Uh, that's that's exactly the point I was thinking just then. So the impact of the plane was a one-sided, no symmetry anywhere event, yet the building came down with symmetry uh, to it right down to the ground. So just thinking it over logically, it doesn't make sense even from just the initial impact does it Richard no you've got um, hundreds of explosions you can see traveling down in, in there's close-up photos I mean videos of these yes uh, hundreds of explosions they can't be anything but explosions they're not floors collapsing inside of there and that's not yeah. what these first responders are hearing uh, by the way most of them are are quite clear in their order of events these first responders 156 yes. of them are recorded on tape by thomas von eschen the fire commissioner uh he says this is a month within a month after yes. before they became shaped by reshaped by a collective memory that's yes. why he says that he did this and in these recordings uh we find uh that the, 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 a lot of them are describing a train running under their feet, the ones who are outside the building. Yes. Uh, and then they look up, and, and then the building is coming down. Or an explosion uh, blew yes. out all this, and, and then the material comes down. Or pop, 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 all the way around the building, all these explosions, and yes. then the building is coming down. It's yes. fascinating. Uh, it's very clear what they're talking, the order in which they're talking about. It's not the building coming down, creating these sounds of explosions, which is what we're told by official story. Yeah. And they those interviews were conducted uh, really close after the event itself. Are they publicly available, Richard? Do you know? Yes, yes. Just, they just, are? Google, uh, just Google Oral Histories New York Times. Oral Histories. 
New York Times. Excellent. This is a fascinating yeah. subject for me. Um, but, but the wait the the better um, the better point uh, to go to is the yes. work of Graham McQueen uh, yes. called uh, quote uh, 156 witnesses of explosions. Uh, that that's that uh, pulls all of the explosions together. witnesses together. Yeah, 156 yeah. witnesses of explosions in the Twin Towers. That's what I would search. Ah, that's fantastic. Richard, Evie wants to know, okay, so what I'm hearing you saying, they knew there was an issue with these buildings beforehand, so to justify war and population control, this was set up. I'll let you answer that, Richard. I'm not sure that that's quite what we're saying, but I'll let you answer that, Richard. Yeah. Um, What's the motive to, to in a false flag operation, of which this is one in a long line of examples, where a country attacks itself, uh, usually military, you know, uh, yes. and then uh, blames it on somebody else, uh, some other country, and uses that as an excuse to attack them. This is yes. how World War One was started with the sinking yes. of the Lusitania. World War Two, with the provocation of the Japanese. Uh, yes. when we knew that they were coming before they came to Pearl Harbor, um, uh, well-documented um, uh, historical uh, uh, truth, uh, and um, the, the, the sinking of the, the Maine uh, in starting the Spanish-American uh, uh, War yes. and the Vietnam War was started with the uh, false flag operation that's admitted to by uh, Secretary McNamara, after, well after the fact, well after 56,000 Americans were killed in Vietnam, yes. um, the the Gulf of Tonkin incident, he said, never happened. Those are false flag events. They get yes. us into wars. So yes. what war did we get into as a result of 9-11? Well, I think you we dragged it. you in with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Um, uh, now the resources of Afghanistan have been uh, taken over, including the opium, uh, which is well documented, uh, the vast increase in opium production after the Taliban was kicked out of yes. Afghanistan, uh, researched by others. Um, I haven't done that research myself, but that's what I understand. And the um, Iraq, we've, been, yes. we've taken over the resources in Iraq um, after blaming them for ties uh, to Osama bin Laden and weapons of mass destruction, which never were found. Yeah, yeah. So um, back to our discussion about the Twin Towers. So the Twin Towers investigation found similar components, didn't they? They found sulfidation, rapid oxidation, irregular granular melting um, in the collapse of the Twin Towers as well, didn't they? Yeah, building uh, Appendix C um, of yes. the report, Building Performance Assessment Report by FEMA, yes. documented very carefully in this metallurgical examination, this hot corrosion attack on the steel, which we discussed earlier. Yes. And this is <clears throat> can only be created uh, with sulfur and liquid molten iron. It's very clear. There's no yes. other explanation for this other than thermite. This is the evidence of thermite. It can be evidence for no other um, set of chemical reactions. And yet, NIST completely threw out this uh, metallurgical ex- uh, evidence when they took over the investigation in 2002 and, uh, in, 
published their report years later and never even responded to accusations or questions uh, about uh, did you test for explosives. They, they actually claimed they found no evidence for explosives, but only years later they acknowledged that they never tested for them. Oh, wow. Wow. But what they did find, you can clearly be attributed to an explosive event, yeah? Well, NIST didn't reveal the evidence for an explosive event. They withheld it from the American ah. people, even though they were tasked by Congress to explain the collapses of these to the American people. Um, the, the, but you can see, I mean, just the videos themselves are direct evidence of explosive destruction in the case of all three buildings. Uh, there's no question, but people don't want to imagine this because then they would have to come to the realization that their government has lied to them on a grand scale yeah. and that, uh, you know, the world is not as, as, as uh, clear as we thought it was in terms yeah. of a safe place to raise our children, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We've all been manipulated uh, through shock and awe to go to war in a faraway place and make very rich people around the Richard. world. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Twin Towers, um, I also read that their concrete floors completely disappeared. They were like pulverized. Is that true? Yeah. We uh, discussed in midair the complete pulverization of the concrete. You can see it in all the videos. Uh, and yeah. this is where 10,000 tons excuse me, 90,000 tons of concrete in each of these buildings is drifted over a three square mile area in a blanket three inches thick. And what does that concrete dust in include? Uh, the, the evidence of thermite incendiaries both ignited and unignited. Ignited yeah. evidence in terms of the 10, 10 tons of, of previously molten iron microspheres and unignited in terms of the unreacted uh, red-gray chips that we discussed that are documented in the peer-reviewed paper. Yeah. So just to, just to confirm, those pulverized concrete floors, in any other situation, they would collapse in partial or their entirety. They would not be pulverized, that's my understanding. We wouldn't expect in a gravitational collapse yes. that all the concrete would be powdered. No. Correct. That's, okay. That can only take um, high-energy explosives in the case of the Twin Towers and perhaps also in the case of Building 7, which is more like a classic implosion like the yes. old hotels in Las Vegas that we see in our country. Yeah. Uh, that that um, is <clears throat> a very controlled event uh, where the outside of the building is... is is pulled over the core, which is pulled down first, and then it just falls and collapses like a house of cards into a nice yeah. neat pile centered in the footprint of the building. That's yeah. very classic in the case of Building 7. The Twin Towers were a very explosive event where yeah. all, all the insides are, are completely blown out. It's amazing more people you know, didn't demand uh, truth about this event from day one. 
Uh, because, but we were all in shock. Who was questioning their government at that time? Yes. It was unpatriotic to even question that we were going to war. Yes. Um, Mason wants to know, do you think if the government did this, the people would revolt and take the government out? Sure, they would. And, uh, uh, and you know, half the people in America think something's fishy about 9-11. Half of those can cite some of these points of evidence that we're talking about here yes. that are very up on it. So there's a lot of people aware of why they're not all out in the street, I don't know. That's yeah. a whole other important question. But yeah. eventually here we're going to have a choice because this controversy is going to be invading Congress where we are now in Washington, D.C., meeting with congressional representatives along with uh, Christopher Joya, who is one of five fire commissioners who... Uh, collectively have made, voted unanimously for a uh, resolution demanding a new investigation. This is a New York town whose yes. fire commissioners have unanimously voted for a new 9-11 investigation based on the evidence that we're talking about. So yes. he and I and uh, the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry President Dave Meiswinkle and 9-11 family bo member Bob McElvain were, yeah. gave a historic press conference at the National Press Club in D.C. here uh, yesterday after, morning. Yeah. And then we all spent the afternoon fanning out across Congress with uh, pre-made appointments. I personally spoke with Steve King from yeah. Iowa, a representative who really listened, really had great questions, and yeah. wanted to know what was going on. And I intend to follow up with him because he wanted to see uh, so these building collapses, we didn't actually take time to watch the DVD yeah. at the time. But some people are listening. Most people in Congress are not willing to... Rock uh, the boat. They kind of they have to give you an ear uh, yes. for 10 minutes at least, but you can tell they're not interested. Why do you think that they don't think that this is important for the American people as a whole? Wouldn't you they can't think afford to yes. think that. They can't yeah. afford to imagine that what we're saying could be true, because what would that mean? That would mean that uh, up was down and, and down was up. Um, you can't trust your government. This is like, you know, imagine in a, a dysfunctional family, that, say yeah. with incest. Um, you can't just, the, the daughter uh, or son, the victim can't uh, rise up and just challenge as if they son, somehow yeah. all of a sudden have power. They, yeah. they and we are have been programmed uh, into submission uh, through uh, unconscious mechanisms in our media and, and other places through shock and awe uh, violence such as we experienced on 9-11. We, we, we need an authority figure in our life that we can trust. Uh, a child needs a father and mother to be, uh, it's basically God to them. They, they, yes. If there's anything wrong with that system, that family system, then they are going to take that shame upon themselves and yes. generally not act out against the family system with it, not till they regain some of their power. Well, that's yeah. what Americans are doing now. We're, we're regaining some of our power by an increasing awareness and increasing uh, less taboo uh, label on this um uh, on these on these conspiracies, such as, for instance, Jeffrey Epstein, which is a household awareness. Uh, uh, households across America are, and are hopefully around the world, are are, are com completely disbelieve the official story 
Correct. And that the media is trying to tell us that he yes. committed suicide. No, he so, didn't. <laughs> yeah, who believes that? So, yeah. so it, it, this is empowering uh, to those of us uh, who have been disempowered through various processes in our societies. And, and again, it's so important to have these discussions live on radio where uh, people can actually listen and make their own uh, thoughts, decisions and, and go from there. So Mason has a, a lovely comment again. If in fact the government did this to their own people, not many are going to speak up because you know what the government is capable of. They will shut you up and make you go away. So... I'm a bit like Mason here. I do you have people that protect you, Richard? <laughs> no, um, I try to protect myself, and I yes. rely on God to to watch over me. I yes. haven't had though any uh, threats, uh, so I I've been doing this for twelve years, and yes. they've left me alone for now. So good, um, but but even you know in the face of danger um what are we going to do just hide no i agree i'm going to speak out because I, i'd rather die uh uh speaking the truth than live in a, a police state where you can't speak out and exactly and, and call you know that the emperor has no clothes in this case yeah. uh, the, the government has lied to us uh yes an unimaginable uh, scale and it's not just one government for the American people. It's successive governments that have lied to the people. Isn't uh, that scary? Yes. Yes. That in itself is you would think that, that someone would have the nous to say, this is not okay. So many American people were were murdered in the first instance and there are thousands of people impacted and affected and it's had a global impact. It's not good enough to hide behind an official story that doesn't make sense to those of us that um, are thinking about it. Um, so I just... The official story with the jet planes and the fires was what we were com uh, confronted with initially. And my understanding is that the jet plane fires in themselves were never enough to collapse those buildings. Is that correct, Richard? Well, yeah. <clears throat> yes, we're just talking about uh, kerosene here. Yes. Uh, again, it only burns 600 degrees according to its manufacturer, and most of it burned up outside the building, 90% of it, according to the official story. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just no, after that, we have normal office fires. Well, office fires have never, ever brought down a skyscraper. So, yeah, no way. Yeah. So, there's no instances across the whole world where an office fire has brought down a building. None. No, not before 9-11. <laughs> yeah, no, that, but, but that's a powerful piece of information in itself, isn't it, to Thank consider? You. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Um, and uh, I know that you've done a bit of work around the uh, percentages of time allocated to uh, sections of the reports that they did. And um, I'm wondering if you um, 
have some further thoughts about what the work of the National Institute of Standards and Technology is and should be going forward? Well, they came out of... Uh, they, they, they have never done a, a, a building investigation, a failure investigation right. uh, before. They were tapped uh, by the Bush administration after having changed its leadership when they came into power to yes. exam, uh, analyze this, these building collapses. They're, they're an agency under the Commerce Department, uh, which uh, is typically responsible for... Uh, standards and, and helping yes. commerce uh, uh, proceed. So uh, who, the, going forward, I, they should probably go back to doing what they were doing instead of yes. producing uh, fraudulent reports. Yes. Are they still involved in any way in the stuff from 9-11 or is, is the work kind of completed now? Their reports were completed in 2000. Yeah. And four and two thousand and eight for yes. the building seven uh, collapse, uh, and um, when they get questions, they simply refer to their reports and basically say that we stand by our reports. They don't answer the kinds of questions that we've been asking today. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you're in uh, Washington D.C. at the moment, and you're meeting with lots of people. How many did you say that there were were in your little group doing that at the at the moment? Uh, we had um, uh, overall, we had a, a couple of dozen people oh, uh, fanning out, fanning out across the uh, Congress to distribute our uh, petition signed by three thousand architects and engineers demanding a new investigation, uh, yeah. delivering the Bobby McIlvain Act, which is draft legislation for a new investigation, trying to find one honest Congressperson who will yes. listen and then submit, uh, introduce this into legislation. Okay. We also provided um, uh, the uh, uh, cards showing the evidence of yes. what we've been discussing today. Yes. So we've done this every year for five years now. Oh. Um, it's, a, it's a ritual for us, I suppose, uh, on September yeah. 11th. You do it every year. So no one's taken up your petition thus far? No, we don't have a, uh, a real bite from uh, congressional representatives, unfortunately. How does and let's face it, I think it would be very difficult for them to take this on. It would take a real maverick who had nothing to lose, and everybody's yes. got something to lose in Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Richard, we're just going to take a final short break. When we come back, um, I'll ask our listeners for some final questions, and we'll do a bit of a, a sum up. But um, I'll give you another quick break. So over to you, Rebel. Oh, Tony. Um, yeah. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony on W4WN. 
your safe space for tough conversations. author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and it Thirteen thousand and holding Swallowed in the purring of a Tracking the beacon here Is there a signal there?
Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Tony Lontis on Radio Tony. Unfortunately for us, Richard's had to leave um, our interview this morning. Um, As you know, he is in uh, Washington, D.C., meeting with members of Congress to try and to get some sort of uh, investigation into the truth of 9-11. We wish him all the best and uh, in that endeavour. And so... Uh, I thought that to round off the program, we'd bring you some good news stories from the 9-11 attacks. And following those attacks, there was a lot of traffic to a site called Good News Network. And in the days after, people searched for some good news to counteract the horror and the tears that were happening. Um, and before I tell you at the first of our stories, Justin wants to know, see, the government is making him shut up as we listen. Well, yes, he um, he was disappointed to have to leave suddenly, but um, it's important work that he does. And I guess when you're summoned by congressmen to talk to them, you have to go where you're called. So we very much appreciate having Richard on the show and talking to us all about the very scientific elements that convince many of us that the 9-11 attacks were orchestrated in some way by someone unknown, um, most probably with government knowledge as well. 
Um, so back to the good news that came from that horror. I'm just wondering, listeners, do you remember where you were and what you were doing that day? Um, I can clearly remember watching uh, the television and the photos and, and news stories that were coming through uh, constantly during that time and feeling horrified on behalf of the American people and just incredulous that what was happening in their great uh, city of New York. Henry wants to know, are you sure he's safe? I'm assured that um, Richard is safe. He has a large number of people around him and I'm I'm sure that he will be okay. He did tell me privately that he does take measures to ensure that he's uh, safe um, and that he keeps plenty of people around him so that he is safe. Um, but as you can understand, there's probably an element out there that would like him to stop talking about the evidence from 9-11. Uh, um, but I will keep you, the listeners, posted if I hear anything. I will be talking to Richard again after uh, next week after the show just to make sure that he is okay and I will pass on your thoughts to him as well. So back to some good news that came from 9-11. Um, if you heard uh, that there was a really wonderful, inspiring story of that day and it happened in the tiny town of Gander, um, on September 11, thousands of Good Samaritans were inspired to a generosity, kindness and helpfulness and we were inspired by what they did. When all North American airspace was closed on 9-11 following the terrorist attacks in New York and uh, D.C., Delta Flight 15 and 52 other airplanes from all across the world were diverted to Gander International Airport in Newfoundland. Under the direction of the Red Cross, the town of Gander and surrounding small towns and communities sent convoys of school buses to ferry the 10,500 stranded passengers to high schools, meeting halls and lodges where they were given cots and mats with sleeping bags and pillows. Families were kept together. The elderly were taken to private homes. Women's only facilities were made available. High schools, kids worked to take care of the plain people. Stranded passengers were offered phone calls and emails once a day. All were offered a choice of excursions for boating on the lakes and harbours or to visit the forests. Bakeries baked fresh bread. Food was either delivered or eateries served it up. Uh, tokens for laundromats were offered. Every need was met. The Red Cross knew where each person was and when to shuttle them back for reboarding onto their flights. A flight attendant recalls when passengers reboarded, it was like they'd been on a cruise. They were swapping stories, impressing each other with who had the better time. And one flight to Atlanta looked like a party. The passengers were totally bonded and they were calling each other by their first names, exchanging phone numbers and addresses. 
Then one of our business passengers stood up and stated that he would like to do something for the town of Lewisport, 30 miles east of Gandor, where several hundred people stayed. He wanted to set up a trust fund, a trust fund under the name Delta 15 to provide college scholarships for the high school students. He asked for donations and when the paper came back with names, phone numbers and addresses, it totaled $14,000. $14,500. The gentleman, who was a Virginia doctor, said he would ask Delta headquarters to donate and he promised to match each donation and start the fund's administration. The choreographed care the Red Cross provided for the 10,000-odd stranded airline travellers reported was a plan some 40 years old constructed in case of a nuclear attack against New York City. In the days that followed 9-11, Americans were in a shock and grieving. And this was one of those wonderful good news stories that came out of that time. And just to our wonderful listeners now, Nancy says, Less, yes, who could forget? I certainly couldn't, Nancy. Sol said, I remember where I was when it happened, but nothing after that. Sol, I've heard lots of people say that they remember exactly where they were and remember watching, <clears throat> pardon me, the whole day, but not remembering much after the day. And... Um, it's often the case when we see something so traumatic or experiencing or experience something so profound that we don't actually remember what happened for the rest of the day. Um, Paddy said she remembers part of that day. Frances said she remembers most of the day. And Kelly said that was a hard day for most of us. I'm sure that many people have memory memories of that day that were not good. And why I think that to finish off the show today, I'm going to tell you another wonderful story that came out of 9-11 so that we finish the program on a positive note to show that positivity always comes out of trauma. Um, so in the distant shores of Iran, incidentally, the then President Mohammad Khatami condemned the attacks. Ireland and Israel held full national days of mourning and the Afghan Taliban issued a statement to American children saying, Afghanistan feels your pain. Pretty unusual considering what it turned out that their involvement would be. One of the most touching reactions came from a destitute Kenyan boy turned Stanford student who rallied his Maasai tribe to offer its most precious gift to America in time of her grief. Early that year, Kim Lili, a US-educated doctor and Maasai warrior, had been in New York City and the events of 9-11 touched him deeply. He had to figure out a way to help the country that had given him so much. After telling the tribal leaders the story of the World Trade Centre, it so moved them that they agreed to donate a living gift of cows. The cows were donated to the American people in a show of solidarity and understanding and in the hope that the sale of the purchase of these animals would help in some way ease the pain of the American people. Yeah. <sighs> 
So I'm going to throw to a little break now and I will join you after the break and tell you just what we've got on next week. Over to you, Rebel. Keep the conversation going. Directory assistance. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561 623 9421 on W4 WN Radio Guest Sky. Join Tony Londis, author of Resilience Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty on the Women for Women Network. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony is your safe space for these tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. For twin towers to hide behind And find you there When I left on that Sunday To come home on a Tuesday Well, I never I never thought
Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Welcome back. And you're listening to Tony Lontis on Radio Tony this week. What a powerful show it's been. I'm really appreciative appreciative of you the listeners today for your interaction with Richard on a powerful subject of 9-11 and the terror attacks and that perhaps we've all been duped by what we've been told um, I will pass on to Richard your sentiments um, and I thank you so much for your wonderful questions today so over to next week on Radio Tony, where we will be talking to a wonderful woman by the name of Bren Blankenship, and she's the author of a book called The Limitless Soul, Hyperregression Case Studies. So uh, Bryn discovered the power of hypnosis and meditation while an actress working in commercials and film at the professional level. Bren used hep- hypnosis as a way of removing boundaries opening new doors in her career and for self-healing. She found it to be a wonderful tool for calming the mind, relaxing the body and freeing the instrument and allowing her character to emerge. Bren changed careers to become a full-time hypnotherapist out of a strong desire to help others through her own transitions and healing. She found it to be rewarding and went on to become a hypnosis instructor, helping students to hone their hypnosis skills. Bren has taught internationally and her certification courses in the US draw an international student base to them. Her book talks about numerous past life, afterlife and future life case studies and invites you to explore the many aspects of the soul's existence. These narratives show us that life is not a random series of events and can be used to gain insight into where your soul's future while exploring earthly lessons for your current information. So I'm sure that next week, Bryn will be another amazing guest on Radio Tony. And I wanted to close out the day with a wonderful story from Good News Week because I like to end on powerfully good stories and this story comes to us um, regarding the uh, acts of a group of firefighters and it's particularly important to talk about firefighters today it isn't easy to roll a trolley through a forest but that's exactly what a team of firefighters did for a hospice patient who wanted to visit the great outdoors for one last time For years, Edward Reese had been an avid park ranger who longed for greenery of Washington. Unfortunately, the self-proclaimed nature lover also suffered from multiple sclerosis. The disease forced him to spend several of his final years uh, locked up inside and not in the great outdoors. His final years were spent in hospice care. During his stay at Evergreen Health Hospice in Kirkland, the 62-year-old patient had been unable to go outside. When he confessed to hospice staffer that he wished he could take one last trip to one of his beloved local parks, 
the staffers immediately jumped into action so they could grant Reed's wish. After calling the Stronghome County Fire District and recruiting the help of several volunteer firefighters, Reed was taken on a peaceful voyage through Meadowdale Beach Park in Edmonds. For three hours, the firefighters carried Reed and his trolley through the forest. They would periodically stop at creeks and clearings so Reed could take in the scenery. They even collected cedar branches so the ex-park ranger could smell them. The wheels of the trolley were like a shopping cart with very small wheels on the trail and it was incredibly difficult with those running along the trails and it was like a hiking trail and they would stop every so often to stop and listen. The, uh, the hosp- there were hospice staffers that went on the journey as well and they remarked that he was smiling the whole time and he was saying that he was so happy and so incredibly grateful for the gift of this journey through the forest. As fate would have it, Reed passed away shortly after his outing, but his caregivers hope that his story will help others to appreciate the emotional fulfilment of hospice care. People sometimes think that working in hospice care is depressing, but it's not. It demonstrates this story demonstrates the depths of the rewards that caring for the dying can bring. And it also demonstrates the depths of compassion that firefighters had the capacity to feel. And on the anniversary of 9-11, where so many police officers and firefighters were killed or hurt or traumatised, in the 9-11 terror attacks. It's important to remember what a valuable service they provide. And besides firefighting and protecting people, they also do volunteer uh, things such as this patient journey through the forest. And it's important to remember how important volunteers are in our society and particularly when we're struck by trauma. I also wanted to remind you all today that I really appreciate each of you that listen, and please don't forget that you are free to contact me any time that you want via my email, which is tonylontisauthor at gmail.com. That's T-O-N-I-L-O-N-T-I-S. A-U-T-H-O-R at gmail.com and feel free to contact and email me about anything that you'd like to hear on the show or if you're concerned about anything or you'd like more information about a guest that you've heard on the show and you didn't quite get their details while we spoke. I love to hear from you and know your thoughts even if you're just wanting to Um, let me know about what you're going through in your life I'd love to hear from you so you all realize that the chat box on the show is available for you to comment and question away and um, I'm also open to you commenting and questioning on any of my social media so 
Radio Tony has its own Facebook page and you simply search for Radio Tony, T-O-N-I, not Y, and you can contact me directly via Facebook. Um, you can talk to me on LinkedIn and I've put my LinkedIn profile um, in the chat box at the beginning of the show. I'm on Twitter, uh, Facebook and also Instagram and I love to hear from you the listeners and hear what your thoughts are and I appreciate very much your comments and commentary and appreciate your interaction with me on the show. So I hope that you'll join me next week when we talk to our hypnosis expert um, and I'm sure I will be asking her on how impact, how her hypnotic techniques work in recovery from trauma uh, and for those of you that are interested in hypnosis and recovery from trauma i'm sure it will be a wonderful show thank you once again for listening to me on radio tony and i look forward to having your company with me again next week that's all for this week over to you rebel radio tony your safe space for tough conversations Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Radio Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom.